welcome to Utubia, and we've got a special episode for you. Since it's the international break, we've got nothing better to do. I thought I'd talk to Mel Booth. <laughs> welcome along, Mel. How are you doing? Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm <laughs> fine. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, not to disappear off our own rear ends too much, but I thought if uh, Andy takes that chance, can get Oggy on and get me on, then why has no one spoken to you yet? I mean, <laughs> how long have you been at the Examiner now? Uh, 1985 was when I years. started, yeah, the summer of 1985, yeah, and the first um, league match I covered was a 4-3 home win against Millwall, wow. in which Dale Tempest scored a hat-trick, and so that, some people will remember it, but it was a great <laughs> way to open the season actually with a hat-trick. Yeah. We, we were just comparing notes earlier, it's better than the nil-nil that I did for my first game, Alden <laughs> versus Yeovil. How did you get your start with the examiner then? Um, I was working in South Yorkshire at the time at the old Morning Telegraph newspaper in, in Sheffield, yeah. um, which was a, a, a great breeding ground actually for a lot of county-wide and national journalists um, at the time. Uh, and I'd previously worked in the local weekly papers around Old Firth, uh, and the uh, the Home Valley and the Cone Valley uh, went to Barnsley Chronicle, covered Barnsley for a couple of years with Keith Lodge, uh, and then went to the Morning Telegraph in Sheffield and covered Wednesday United, obviously Doncaster, Barnsley. Yeah. Uh, Chesterfield won the fourth division title while I was there uh, under John Duncan, and I covered a lot of their games at the time for the Morning Telegraph. But then Paul Clark decided that he was moving on from the examiner. Uh, Clark, he had covered a lot of the Mick Buxton uh, era and he decided he was going to move on and this job became available. So um, as town were my team, then I decided <laughs> that, yeah, it would be uh, a great job for me. So you supported town from when you were a kid then. What, what yeah. are your... What are your earliest memories of, of going to Leeds Road? And going to Leeds Road, it was for um, the Saturday afternoon reserve games, basically. Right, okay. Um, yeah, they used to play reserve games on Saturday afternoons, and I was taken by a neighbour. Um, <laughs> taken to the game by a neighbour, yeah. not, not just taken by a neighbour. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I was taken, taken to, the, to the game by a neighbour who was a big, uh, big town fan. Um, and then... Uh, sort of graduated to watching the first team. I think the first match I remember watching was an evening game at home against Bolton, I think. Um, and that would be about 1967. Yeah. Something like that, 67, 68, yeah. Yeah, okay. And so when you started at the Examiner, what, what sort of state were the club in? Um, they'd, been, they'd had Mick Buxton in charge mm. for a good few years. Um, and obviously they'd, they'd won the old 4th Division Championship and then they'd had a following promotion up into what is now the Championship, you know, mm. into, the, into this division. Um, and the club had some pretty good players, they'd some decent lads still around, um, you know, and the, you know, you, you, you sort of squad in, in 85 when I sort of took over, you'd got, you know, Brian Cox and Keith Mason were there as the goalkeepers. Uh, you'd got Meesham, you'd got Ian Bray, David Court was there, Simon Webster, Paul Jones, yeah, really classy centre-back, he was there, Brian Stanton, uh, Julian Winter, our current chief exec, um, Wilson, Dale Tempest, as I've mentioned, Terry Curran, yeah. who's still kicking about, who's still a very good player. Uh, Dave Cowling was still in that squad, Graham Cooper, um, and then you got the likes of Steve Doyle, Malcolm Brown, of course, yeah. Joey Jones, fantastic character, um, Paul Rayner. Um, so that that was the basis of that that squad around that time. Uh, but as I mentioned, Joey Jones we've got some very strong characters. Yeah, Joey Jones, European winner with with Liverpool, and just a, a fantastic character, really. Um, to have in your team um, Paul Jones and him you know good centre backs Simon Webster just emerging um, yeah there were some there were some decent players kicking around and Mick Buxton was a very very solid manager yeah very good manager um, didn't suffer fools um, and you know a couple of years later 
uh, when town decided to, to to part company obviously they, they went into a, a bit of a spiral of up and down and it uh, yeah it there were some testing times after after Mick went and they tried their hand obviously with various sort of managers down the line um, but yeah it, it was a it was a, a well-established club and Mick had done a fantastic job taking them up to a division yeah if he didn't suffer close quietly, then how come you've lasted so long in the job? I don't think those first few Probably. <laughs> I actually got on pretty well with Big, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I uh, we, we used to meet every day. This is one of the big things that's changed. You yeah. used to speak with the manager on a daily basis. Um, you know, it, it wasn't so structured as it is now that you can't sort of get near to them. You just pick the phone up and spoke to them if you needed to do. Yeah. Um, but. You know, in those days, you went to Leeds Road every single morning. Yeah. Um, and you, you had 10 minutes, 15 minutes, however long it, it took. Um, and, you know, pre-internet days, you could you could hold stuff over. You could you could speak about a, a schedule for the week with the manager mm. on a Monday morning. And, you know, you, you, you could release the information as you wished going through the week. So uh, all that now is done by clubs, of course. <laughs> And, you know, unfortunately, you can't get as close to to people now as you used to be able to do in the old days, unfortunately. But that's just one of the things that's changed. How, how did that work then? Because, I mean, now we're looking to get out at least six pieces of content a day on the examiner site. So what, what sort of, how, what was your workload like in, in those days? Really, you were looking for a back page lead yeah. every night um, and occasionally an inside piece, not always. Um, you know, there wasn't the volume now that there was in those days, but obviously if something big was happening, you were expected to be on top of it. Mm. Um, and um, clubs relied on their local newspaper to get information out there. Um, so, you know, it was, it, it was a situation where generally you had to provide a back page lead for the newspaper every night. The paper was printed at one o'clock when I started. Mm. Um, and the second, there was a second edition if something big was happening, but generally it was just the one edition. So would you? So you'd be going down every day. Every say? single day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, generally around about quarter to eleven, half past ten, quarter to eleven. Yeah. You get to see the manager ten, fifteen minutes. Um, just used to wait in the corridor at Leeds Road, and you know you get called into the office and sit there and have a chat. Yeah. So it was it was totally different to how it is now. Um, used to travel on the team bus occasionally as well, um, uh, and you know, you, as I say, you got close to people much closer than um, you can get to the guys now. Even on pre-season tours, mm. you know, you were part of the fixtures and fittings, not on the outside. And it's not. This is not just Huddersfield Town. This is no. every club. This is every club. Yeah. yeah. Were there biscuits at the meetings? <laughs> That's the most important thing. Whenever journalists are talking to each other, all they want to know is what's the food like. There was occasionally whiskey after a game, depending <laughs> on how well things had gone and whether Mick had got any left. Now it was, uh, yeah, the the um, the press conferences at the old Leeds Road ground at one time were just in the manager's office, which was really small. Yeah, um, and people used to cram in there, and Mick would sit down and he'd do his his, his speech to the press, which. Could often be quite short and pithy, and uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, he, he 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 did take things very seriously and very much to heart. He was a Huddersfield town man through and through. That was he wanted to see town doing well um, when he was in charge here, and I know he took that same ethos to all his other clubs. Mm. Um, but he, uh, yeah, and he's still around now. We still have a joke about the the story about when he was when he was sacked, which was just before Christmas. Oh, that's nice. And I, I went down on uh, on the the Monday. I think I think it was the following day when he was sacked. And I went down on the Monday, uh, and I took a a bottle and a and a card down, and said, "Oh, to, you know, there you go, make like this." And he said, "Oh, I've got I've got a card for you, but it's it, it's it's in the car." And I said, "Oh, that's all right. Just give it us later." And he said, no, I'd better give it you now. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and uh, obviously, he, he was no fool. He'd, he'd read the signs and he knew that, you know, something was afoot. Although, uh, I'm sure it still came as a shock when it actually happened. It certainly did to a lot of the supporters um, that, that he'd gone. But, you know, Mick, Mick knew that he'd read the 
the script and he knew what what was going on uh, and he was canny enough to say oh, I'll go and get it now yeah um, and you know 24 hours later he was uh, he was on his way so we still uh, we still have a joke about that and he made a point this last Christmas of coming up with for, to me in the press box <laughs> with a Christmas card <laughs> handed it over with a big smile on his face so uh, yeah um, they were uh, yeah different days different days What was it like working at, in a newspaper office around that, that time as opposed to now? Um, there were a lot more people around, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> than there are now, that is for sure. Yeah, I mean, we had a sports desk, I think, was eight people at the time right. when I started. So um, that sort of gives you an indication the newsroom was bustling. Um, yeah, there were a lot of people around. Um, and it was, it, it, it still is a great industry to be in because it's so varied and you never know what's going to happen mm. from one day to the next. Um, but in those days, it was certainly a, you know, an exciting and stimulating place to be. Was the newsroom, um, and you know there were big characters in there as well. So yeah, it, and there was one edition a day. You know, you got what you know. If you missed the edition, that was it. You were gone for twenty four hours. Yeah. So you didn't want to miss the best line for each day. Yeah. Um, and you know that was, whereas now, as we say, we're we're churning out six, seven, eight, ten stories, depending on what's happening every day. In those days, you wanted the the one story. You wanted the signing. You wanted the, you know, whatever the big injury was. You needed it, and. Uh, yeah, that that's how it sort of differed because we got one shot yeah. each day at it, whereas now doesn't matter what time of day or night we can get something out there. So that's that's been the big change. Uh, but it was a it was as I say it was exen- it was exciting it was stimulating it was different to what ninety nine percent of people did. Yeah, um, and it, it that's really what was great about it. Yeah, was it was there a lot more competition within the sports team then? In, in those days to, to get those stories or did you all have different areas you were covering everyone had different areas right yeah yeah um you know i was i was the football writer we had robert Ledell uh was doing the cricket we had ian Laybourne doing uh the the giants as they are now um he was doing the rugby league then we had a rugby union and golf writer a guy called stan townsend who took over from an old mate of mine from the halifax career jeremy walker who worked with us for a for a while and then we had we had Graham Turt and John Gledhill, who was the sports editor. Mm-hmm. Still uh, comes to the games, doesn't he? Yeah, he does yeah, indeed. John. John still comes to the games every never rarely misses a home game. Mm. Uh, and Peter Muffer was very well known uh, feature writer and deputy to John um, at the time. Peter, great sort of sporting heritage in the town as well. Um, his dad was a, an exceptional uh, billiards player mm. uh, and uh, owned. Um, the sports shop in the town as well, so they were very well known. Um, but yeah, John, as you say, you still see people from those times. Graham Turton uh, worked with us as well. Graham was very well known in local football circles and still is. Um, and so, yeah, great sporting connections really in 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 the department. And then people came in later, like David Lockwood, who took on the rugby union, and Doug Thompson, who took over doing town with me. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was a good good little family, and everybody knew what they were doing on a daily basis, uh, and we had some good times. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that's changed, I guess, now is is social media is everywhere. If people don't like what you're writing, then they'll let you know about it straight away. <laughs> Presumably, yeah. how, what was the connection like with the fans in those days? Um, they basically, if anyone wanted to make a point, they wrote a letter. Yeah. To the editor. Now, most people can't be bothered to do that. Mm. They'll tell you if they see you in the supermarket, <laughs> but they wouldn't write a letter. But occasionally people did. Um, and I would say in my time, in all my time, the, the one thing which stirred enough people to write letters, and we were inundated, um, was the sale of Marcus Stewart. Really? Yeah. Um, when Stewie went, people weren't happy at all. Um, it was in the Barry Rubery era, yeah. Um, and Steve Bruce took most of the flat for that sale, um, although obviously it was the direction came from above. Um, but the fans didn't like it, um, and we were, as I say, we were inundated with messages from people 
basically saying they felt it was wrong, they were disappointed and you know it was the, the they thought the team had the makings of one that could push on and maybe go up because they become they got very close. Yeah, I mean the fact that he went and became went close to being top scorer the following year. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Tells its own story, doesn't yeah. it? Um, you know, and uh, yeah, he went away and did very well, and and our fans weren't very happy about it. Um, so that was the one thing which people wrote letters about, mm. um, dozen upon dozen upon dozen of them. Do you think fan culture's changed? Very much over the over the thirty four years, or is it still much the same as it was? Or? I think I think it's I think it's very much same as it was. People are very engaged with their football club. Yeah, you know, it's the biggest thing we deal with in this town. Mm. Um, you know, by by miles, because not only have you got twenty odd thousand who turn up every game, forty mm. odd thousand who go to a playoff final at Wembley, mm. and however many exiles there are around the globe, it's easily the biggest organisation, the biggest entity that we deal with. So I think people massively engage with it. It's their football club. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not Danny Cowley's Huddersfield Town. It's not Lee Clark's Huddersfield Town. It's not anybody's Huddersfield Town. It's Huddersfield Town. It's everybody's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that fans have always been engaged with it. It's just that now... There is a much broader spectrum for people to express their views about it, yeah, um, and that's that's where the difference is, really. Yeah, every, every, give everyone a voice, and everyone's got an opinion all of a sudden. Exactly, of course they have. Yeah, <laughs> they always did have. It's just that they they didn't express it because we shouting up the chimney, wouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there we are. Uh, are there anything that you sort of miss from the, the pre-internet age, or anything that that you think has sort of improved since then, or? Um, I don't think there's anything amiss particularly. I mean, we've all, you know, the the actual, the internet sort of was an interesting spell at the, around the time when people started using it more. Um, it, be, it became a tool for journalists because obviously people were chit-chatting about various things which weren't being mentioned by clubs, which turned out to be true, etc. Mm. And so it very quickly became a source of information for journalists. And you were able to follow up and say, well, is there any truth in this? Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it quite often um, became the place where a lot of good stories came from. Um, but I don't think I miss the pre-internet days particularly. The thing you would miss is, from a, 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 a journalistic point of view, is the closeness that you had with the players. Mm. Um, because you literally knew them, you spent time with them. Nights um, out. Yeah, nights out even. Yeah, I mean Warnock was the classic, you know, nights out man. Um, <laughs> he would invite everybody along, staff at the club, myself, other 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 journalists as well, um, not just me. Um, and you know, we had some great times. And they were. This is all part of bonding. It's what they call bonding these days. It's, yeah. It's all part of the same thing. It was just that more people were involved. Um, and you did feel close to it, and you did feel like you knew people, and they knew that they could trust you. Yeah, because it's that thing, isn't it? Like, they're so keen to keep everyone at arm's length now, because I think there are unscrupulous, particularly when you're up in the Premier League, you know, there are parts of the industry that are quite unscrupulous and will try and dig out anything they possibly can. But Mm. if you naturally, particularly if you're a local paper and you're sort of lower down the divisions, if you know the players and you know the personalities, you're more likely to want to protect them so it's kind of a, a give and take kind of thing isn't it? it absolutely yeah and it's you know it, it is a question of trust yeah people in knew that they could trust you with certain things they knew that you were, you were okay and and you don't get that with people who don't have to answer yeah you know if they if, if they write something about you and then you don't have to see them for six months it's yeah. all forgotten about. Nobody, nobody does that. But if you're seeing people day after day after day, mm. then obviously people are gonna gonna come for you. Andy Morrison came for me once. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to avoid him for about three weeks, which was fantastic. But I gave him a four in an away match at Norwich <laughs> when he thought he was man of the match, and he was after my guts for garters, for want of a better phrase. Uh, and I managed to avoid him. I was high, I was I was alerted to it. Ducking into cupboards. Yeah, yeah, I can't think who it was who alerted me to it. It was one of the players. 
And uh, so I managed to I managed to keep out of his way until one day I just walked into the corridor at Leeds Road <laughs> and he was standing there. <laughs> and he uh, he let rip. He couldn't believe I'd, you know uh, that I'd given him a four. He he felt he was a man of the match and he wasn't going to let it go. Uh, but there again, Andy Andy's another lad who uh, you know I got on very well with, and uh, another great character and a good leader of the team. Shame he didn't stay fit enough long enough for town. Yeah. Are there any other big characters that particularly stand out from from your time covering the the club? Cracky. Joe, Joey Jones was obviously massive because yeah. he'd he'd been there and done it when he came to town, and he was uh, he 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 was he was terrific. Um, then there was Malcolm Brown. Yeah. Um, Malcolm came back from Newcastle. Um, you know, I mean, Steve Kindon said Malcolm Brown, if he'd stayed fit at Newcastle, he would have gone on to play for England. He felt he was that good. Mm. Um, unfortunately, he got a ruptured Achilles when he turned up at Newcastle and missed the season, so it knocked him back completely. But when he came back, when he came back to town, um, he'd got obviously that fantastic sort of tradition behind him. Set the um, consecutive appearance record at 259, I think it is, or something like that. That'll never be beaten, never no. in a million years. No. Not now with football the way it is. No. Um, and Malcolm was fantastic. I mean, in that promotion, the two promotion teams, he was just incredible down, right back down that side. And talk about crossing a ball. I mean, people talk about David Beckham. Malcolm Brown was David Beckham before David Beckham was. Yeah. Um, he was absolutely fantastic. He could put the ball on a sixpence. And uh, great pace. Um, loved to attack. Great to watch. Just thrilled people. Um, I, I thought he was tremendous. He was my favourite player, um, and uh, yeah, Mal- Malcolm was great. He was good, and he was one of the few players Mick would let have a drink <laughs> on the night before a game. You know, a couple of halves, just because he knew he needed them, just to settle him. Yeah. You know, settle him down, and he was one of the few players who Mick didn't mind seeing. You know, having a drink the night before a game because he knew he needed to. But he always produced on Saturday afternoon. He never, mm. never let anyone down. Um, yeah, Joey Jones was great. There were, there were, you know, there have been plenty down the years. Obviously, um, Neil Warnock was terrific for town. Um, you know, at the time it needed needed a lift, mm. and he, he put town back in in the winners' circle. Not not just in, I think, in terms of belief that they could actually do something. They'd been so long, you know, waiting for success. You know, since the the sort of first division days when he and Greaves took the team up. And, you know, Neil got the team winning and he got a similar sort of engagement with the fans that Wagner brought yeah. back when Wagner came in. Uh, but Neil was, yeah, he got that team somehow galvanised and wow, they were they were very good in that promotion season. And that, that team was full of characters, you know, Darren Bullock was terrific, sort of midfielder, he was buzzing about all over the place, crunching into tackles. And he wasn't a bad player either. People forget that. <laughs> he was picked up from nowhere in non-league, Nuneaton Borough, I think it was. Mm. And he was absolutely terrific, was uh, was bully. Um, but they were they were a good team, the the, the ninety four the ninety five team were uh, you know, they were very, very good side. Peter Jackson, yep. another guy who managed town twice of course. But Jacko was a you know colossus of a centre back. Really, he was very very good, um, and he'd been with Newcastle. He'd been Newcastle's Player of the Year. That takes some doing. Yeah, um, with some very good players in the squad. So he was good, and then they got the likes of Ewan Robertson, people like that who've come into the the team. And obviously, Boothie and Ronnie Jepson were were fantastic in the in in the promotion team. Um, and you know you'd got really bullion characters. People like Tom Cowan were yeah. terrific. You know, really strong. Um, and he, he loved celebrating with the crowd. Of course, when Town won, he'd go and punch the air in front of the the Kilner Bank, and everybody loved it. And he was a strong player as well, uh, was Tom. But they were really good lads in in those teams. And uh, and as I say, you you know you were close to them. And mm-hmm. but you know Boothie, obviously I've known Boothie a long long time. And people forget when he started out, he was he was young and athletic and quick. Mm. And pe- you know, people think of him later on just getting about and being really good in the air. 
But he was a very, very good all-round centre forward was Boo there. Mm. And Ronnie Jepson had that just that bit of experience and the ability to referee a game, and it just brought the best out of people. And uh, yeah, Boothy was uh, Boothy was really good, and he knew where the back of the net was as yeah. well. He also uh, told me a couple of weeks ago that um, he learnt very quickly not to take you on for drinks. <laughs> he said he, he realised quite quickly he had no chance. I think, so. Tells you a bit of something about the the culture at the time, doesn't well, it? Well, I, I think I was al- I was always in a rush to get work done, of course. So if, if if I ever did get near the bar, I had to drink quickly. So I think that was really the explanation that Booley was looking for. <laughs> So obviously match days now we're doing the match reports sort of straight on the final whistle. We've got the live blog running, we're doing player ratings. In those days, how how did it work? Was it did you phone it in or was it handing it in the next day or No, the the, the phone in days had gone by the time I started. It was yeah. in the late seventies when the examiner finished with the the Saturday afternoon yeah. print that went. Um, and so you didn't have to do what we called a runner. Yeah. Of a report. Um it it it, it Where they leave it blank on the presses and yeah, stamp yeah, yeah. it on. So we all you had to do really, um, come nineteen eighty five was do a considered report for Monday yeah. plus a piece of quotes. Yeah. So the manager quotes would go on the back and the report and pictures would go inside. Um and that's really all you were looking for from a game. Occasionally, if there was something big happening, you'd do a couple of pieces yeah. following on from the game. But the, there was no, obviously, examiner on a Sunday, yeah. um, whereas we are working immediately after the game, and Sunday's quite a big big day for us. It wasn't then. It was, it was all geared towards Monday. So, yeah, a match report, but a considered one. Yeah. You know, reflections on what had happened. Um, and then... Um, some quotes from the manager, whoever it happened to be, and additional ones depending on if there was something extra special. Yeah. But that's all that was really expected of you to do, yeah. Were there ever any pieces you did, whether match reports or anything else, that, that got you into trouble with people at the club? Or, or You mentioned the, the player rating that you gave earlier, but anything that got you into more serious trouble, or if you always sort of stayed clear of that? Not really, no. Um, there were a few... Um, I some player markings, I think it was against Bristol City in a cup tie at home, and I thought we were diabolical, um, and I'd marked twos and threes, I think, pretty wow. much throughout the team, <laughs> which, you know, it, 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 I just felt that they were exceptionally bad on the day, and I think that didn't go down too well um, in the squad, as yeah. well as with the management, etc. Um, but... Um, no, I mean you do get fallouts. It was it's the natural when you were speaking to the manager every day. There would be things that you didn't agree on. Yeah. Um, and you know I was I was particularly agree. For instance, like um, Boothy signed a new contract with the club, and it was after a home game against Barnsley. And Brian Horton was the manager, I think, at the time. And Brian announced it um, immediately after the game, which obviously left us dead in the water until the following lunchtime yeah so you know we we had quite a big argument about that um and i I actually went and sought him out afterwards and said you know don't do that this leaves us Mm. you know i'm I'm behind everybody else now because you've done that yeah um and you know brian we had as i said we, we had a we had a we had a fallout over it and i saw him two days later i think it was and we shook hands and, you know, he said, I, I appreciate where you're coming from. I understand what, why you were so upset, etc." you know. Um, and so you sort these things out. You, yeah. you inevitably have fallouts. You can't not do. Um, so, yeah, it, as I say, it's slightly different now because we, you're not as close to everything as you used to be. Mm. Were there any managers or players that you, you particularly didn't get on with? You mentioned some that you did. Um... Not particularly didn't get on with, no, it's just, you know, it's just circumstances. I mean, sometimes it makes it hard when the team is not doing well, it makes yeah. it hard. You know, I mean, Mick, myself. yeah, 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 <laughs> Mick, yeah, you know what I mean. But, you know, like, for instance, Mick Wadsworth, the team didn't do well under Mick at all. 
And, you know, while I got on fine with Mick, and he was a very approachable guy, obviously the situation yeah. got to him. And, it's, you know, it's, it's difficult. It makes life difficult. Because you've got to weigh up. You've got to be... You can't be a cheerleader, can you, for the club? There's no, no point in doing that. The fans will see through it. They know when they're being fed a line. Mm. So you've got to weigh up your duty to the fans and the relationship with the club, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, you've, you've experienced this only recently, obviously, with Jan. Uh, and the fact that you know town town couldn't buy a win for a long long time, yeah. Um, and it and it does make life difficult. And yet the guy himself, really personable, really helpful. When you ask him a question, um, you know, would do his best to answer it in 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 the best way he could. Uh, and you know, from our point of view, you you know you get you know, Malcolm McDonald for a season. Mm. Town were awful and and ended up you know going down. But Malcolm, in terms of copy and quotes was fantastic mm. so it depends which way you know you look at it journalistically he was great to work with because he'd always give you a line yeah but the team were going nowhere yeah and you you have to be unafraid don't you to, to yeah put say as much in print yeah 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 i mean uh, we we got knocked out the fa cup by manchester city this was pre current manchester city obviously <laughs> yeah, yeah. the the ordinary manchester city yeah. if, there, if there ever has been an ordinary manchester <laughs> the city. extra Ordinary, yeah, yeah. <laughs> extraordinary Manchester City. Um, and you know, I, I um, there was one of the national journalists, I forget who it was, um, said that they'd been they'd been received some criticism from their desk about the way that they reported the they'd reported the game and and asked, you know, me to send my report to show how we'd reported it, mm. and they couldn't believe how critical I'd been of the team because. <laughs> I thought that again that they'd been absolutely dreadful, and like you say, you can't not say that. Yeah. Um, you know, because otherwise, when they are good, and you say that the good people won't believe it. Yeah. Um, so you know, you always try to try to reflect it as best you can, obviously. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's uh, there. There is so much more exposure now, though, because of the mm. internet than there used to be. So. Um, yeah, it's it, it has changed massively in the way that think people go about things. Yeah, and it's. Do you find that the club or the people within the club will generally, even if you're being critical, they'll they'll take it if they think it's fair or. I'd, I've no, I've not had any experience that they don't. Yeah. No, I think as long as you're being fair, I think is the yeah. It's your you're, honest opinion. Your honest opinion, and you're making a point. They may not agree with you, yeah. but I think that they're prepared to accept it as long as you're not being, you know, overly critical. And yeah. you know, basically, I, th- I think you just you you draw. You know, you you've got to be sensible in what you say and back it up. Yeah. Back it up, you know. You, you know yourself. You're the, you're the stats man. You can come to me with all these various uh, bits and bobs, it's which, a crutch. Are, which are absolutely <laughs> fantastic. But you know, you, 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 if you've got that backing for your argument, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's a lot that I mean. The stats is another thing that's changed, isn't it? Like all this, mm. all the tactical analysis and all of that. Yeah. I, I do sometimes. I mean, I like writing them, but I do sometimes think it's a bit over the top. I mean, it's, as Danny Cowley often says, it's not that complicated a game. And no. to be honest, half the time, you're digging out the stats just to back up things that you've seen with your own eyes anyway. Yes. Uh, yeah. what, what do you make of that sort of that I've, I've always been of the opinion that managers make it more complicated than it is. <laughs> uh, and I think they do that for their own... I think over the years, people have done that for their own sort of gain, to be honest, to make it sound as though it's more complicated than it is. It's a very simple game, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, and... You know, we it's it's a lovely game. It's a great game as well when mm. it's played well, and you know you've you, you've got exciting players in there. It is great. It's a fantastic spectacle, um, and and it's nothing that sort of lifts you so high or leaves you so low <laughs> as a as a football match or the you know the the mm. affairs of your football club. Yeah. And I think that's why people buy into it so much. Would you rather have had sort of the ups and downs that Town have had, both as a journalist at weighing up? as a journalist and a fan, would you rather have had those ups and downs or would you rather have been like an Aston Villa who were just sort of <laughs> sort of on a level, coasting along? No, I, d- I don't think you would. I mean, it, it, it would have been great if Town could have become established in the top division. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, generally speaking, I think people feel and have done for quite a number of years that we're probably top half championship mm. 
middle of the championship, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and and you know more so even now, I think. Um, you know, which has which has made made the you know the last couple of years in the Premier League so special. Really, uh, nobody saw it coming. Um, as we mentioned, probably the closest they've been um, since they were last up there in the seventies would be under Brucey when they eventually finished eighth. Yeah, and they they got a chance, I think, going to get to the playoffs, going down to Fulham on the final day, uh, and and got well beaten. Um, but you know, t- town fans have uh, have had a lot to put up with, really. <laughs> you know, and uh, this is why the you know the success under under Warnock in, in going to Wembley, mm. taking droves of people down there mm. um, in the in the mid nineties was was so good. It's why it felt so difficult in 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 ninety two when they didn't go um, through in the playoffs, having done so well against Peterborough away from home, and then yeah. losing the game at home, and it was it was so close and yet so far, you know, and they they hadn't been to Wembley since before the war and missed out again, mm. so it made it that much nicer when they went under Warnock, and even though they lost, it was a great day out, but it was the following year to go back and win in the playoffs. Um, you know, with that diving header from Chris Billy was uh, was terrific against Bristol uh, Bristol Rovers, and the team deserved to go up. They were a good side. Mm. Yeah. Are you any less of a fan now than you feel like you were thirty five years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want I want Town to do well, obviously, um, and um, but you're not a fan in the same way. Yeah, no, not it's at all. Isn't it? Yeah, having you know. Yeah, we work around it now, uh, so you have to be objective about it. Yeah, um, uh, you can't be a fan. Um, you know, I've, I've, I have been accused over the years of writing like a fan at times. <laughs> um, I'm not worried either way, but um, I've always you always try to be honest and objective about it, and you can't be a fan not when you're, you're so close to yeah. it and you know you know. Some of the things that go on around the game, you can't be a fan in the same way. I know, having written about Liverpool games, you still give a little punch yeah. when when they score, but yeah, yeah. that's it. You can't, or, yeah. or you sort of, you know, drop your head when they concede. <laughs> yeah. But you, that's that's as far as you can go, isn't it? When I you're on the day and you're there writing a report. Yeah. I, rem- I remember, yeah, Lindsay Nicholson, who worked with us um, until quite recently. Lindsay came on work experience donkeys years ago. <laughs> And she came into the press box and, you know, she was asking about what to do like that. And I said, if town score, you don't jump up, you don't push the air, you don't cheer. You know, you're here to do a job of work and yeah. that's that's what you do. And I think the time that, that really, the, the, the fan journalist thing sort of struck me the most was the, the, the playoff um, down at Brentford when Darren Bullock scored the winning penalty mm. to send town through to that. To that playoff final, um, I think we we won four three on penalties and Bully got the the decider, and uh, and I was just I was making the notes as we go through you know you know whoever the penalty takers were I can't remember off the top of my head but you know say it was Andy Booth yeah scored low to keepers right you know uh, whoever the next one was you know finished well high to keepers left you know mm. so you've got a record of exactly where they've done it yeah. if the keeper had dived the wrong way and all the rest of it yeah so i'm making the notes like that there's a bullock yeah town win you know like that made the note did the report and all the rest of it then the following night itv showed the highlights of the match and the penalty shootout came come to the penalty shootout and obviously it's 24 hours late you know what's happening but I'm then watching it as a fan, and then my, my hands are starting sweating, and I'm, I'm getting I'm getting all excited about this is ridiculous. You know? And at the game and at the time, absolutely straight down the line, you know, this is what's happened. Mm. You know, getting it all down, doing the job. Whereas 24 hours later, I was watching it as a fan, and that's the <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, what's my hands sweating for? I know what happens, you know. So it's just one of those things, I suppose. In certain circumstances, you can't stop yourself being a fan, can you? <laughs> no. You did end up in the dugout, didn't you, for uh, a couple of games? I did indeed, yeah. That was uh, that was Warnock, yeah. Um, he invited me. This was, I think it was after the playoff. Uh, after they'd, it was Cambridge United. Um, and it was, 
it was around the time they went to Wembley the first time under Warnock. In fact, it was the game after. Uh, yeah, it was. It was the game after Town played Swansea in the Autograph Trophy final. And Town were away at, at Cambridge. Um, and I think they ended up winning the game 5-4. Uh, Starbucks scored a hat-trick. But Neil had said, do you want to come on the bench for a game? And I'd, I'd said yes at the time, and then it went on and on and on and on. Mm. But he invited me for, this, for the Cambridge game to go on the bench down at the Abbey Stadium uh, at Cambridge, which was a, a, a great experience. And uh, I remember writing about it and being totally intrigued by what was going on. <laughs> and, you know, the things Warnock was saying, the things that other people were saying in the dugout. Um, it, it was a it was a, a, a fantastic experience, and even though they won, he went in the changing rooms afterwards and gave them a right rollicking. <laughs> he said because they'd be expecting to be praised. Yeah, uh, and so he picked up on all the all the the bad things and uh, and, and pounced on them and uh, yeah, caught them unawares really. Uh, but that, I suppose that's all part of his management style is the unexpected. Mm. Uh, but players would run through brick walls for him. Yeah. And the follow-on to that was that the following season, Town went to Cambridge and they needed a point to get into the playoffs. And just before the game, Warnock, he wanted everything to be the same. He was so superstitious. And he's wandering around and he knew that there was something not right about when he's looking, at, he's looking around wondering what wasn't right. The fact was that I was up in the press box and someone reminded him that I'd sat on the bench the previous season. So just before the game is about to start, the press box, it was a little glass box thing at the back of the stand, mm. the, the door opened, and it was Dave Wilson, who was the physio. And he said, oh, Mel, I said, what, Dave? He said, the gaffer wants you to come and sit on the bench. <laughs> so I went and sat on the bench again, because Warnock wanted it the same as when Town had won the previous season. And... I went onto the bench and they drew 1-1, got the point that they needed to go into the playoffs <laughs> and the rest is history. So that is my part in town winning promotion. The uh, lucky mascot. Yeah, I was the lucky mascot at Cambridge when they got the point to go into the playoffs. So yeah, and that just, that just shows. And likewise, I'd been on the bus with the team to go to Wembley mm. for the Autoglass Trophy final and we went with the team all the way and, uh, and threw in that. But because they didn't win, the following season I wasn't on the bus. <laughs> so they, that's that's the that's how it worked. That's how it worked. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't swap uh, a lot of those experiences for anything really. It was uh, it it was great to be so close to it and uh, you know to meet the people involved and uh, to have some good times. Yeah, uh, I think possibly your most famous, apart from being. Mr. Huddersfield Town for your mullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When did that go? Which, of course, was people, extremely stylish. Pe- people still ask me <laughs> if you've still got a mullet. Like, if, I, if I say I'm working with you, they still ask. So when did it, that go? It went of its own volition over a long period of time <laughs> and no one ever noticed. I just kept having it cut shorter and shorter and shorter and now it's going of it anyway. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's long gone. But nobody actually noticed at the time because I just kept making it shorter and shorter and shorter <laughs> until it had gone. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I always said fashion couldn't keep up with me, Steve. So. <laughs> It'll come yeah. back at some point. I had the long hair <laughs> when I started here, didn't I? So. <laughs> so what what do you see for the future of Huddersfield Town? What sort of position do you think they're in now? Well, obviously, first off, avoid relegation. Yeah, um, you know we can't take anything for granted. It's been a disastrous start to the season. Yeah, um, fortunately, Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley have come in, made a big impact. They've got things organised. They've got people believing again. Um, I think, and while there's a lot of work still to do, um, I think stabilising things and then looking to move on. You've got to remember, it took a long time under Dean Hoyle. Yeah. And Dean, Dean did a lot of good things. Uh, and he made difficult decisions uh, on managers particularly. Um, but there was steady progress. Yeah. Um, you know, they'd, they'd lose in the playoffs. Then they'd get to the playoffs and, you know, win. Then they'd lose again. And, you know, it, it was... 
it was a steady progression yeah. and, I, and it took a long time um, obviously it was glorious to get to the Premier League as yeah. I say I don't think any of us really in our heart of hearts believed we would see town back at the certainly now it is a Premier League would see town in there um, but I think to, 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 to really get established in the championship so that they're never in danger really of, of dropping out of the championship again uh, and, and making sure that they have a you know an odd shot at, at the top top end of the uh, the championship again, I think that's really what town need to to try and do. I think it's a mission statement. I think they've talked about being top thirty, haven't they? Yeah, so, it's in the job spec for the yeah. chief exec, isn't it? So, so you know, um, I think if they if they can do that in the current climate and this modern day game, I think that would be really good. Um, because you know, in the, in in the, they they were expected to be that in the old days anyway, mm. and I don't think that town really can prosper if they're going to go down to League One and League Two again. I don't think no. we want to go back down there. Um, yes, it was great when they won promotion from those those divisions, but you know, there's there's a lot of toil and a lot of um, yeah, sort of. It, it, it's it's difficult for people to understand the some of the teams that you're playing on the same level as. Yeah. Um. You know, and you you, you really feel that town should be mixing it, um, with with teams who are who are right up there in the in the top forty anyway in this country. Yeah. And do you th- what do you think of the Cowleys so far? Do you think they're they're the right team to to take it forward? I've been massively impressed with them. Yeah. I mean, obviously the 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 background is. Is one of success. They've done well wherever they've been. Uh, I think they bring a refreshing approach. I think people actually can see that they're honest and that they they can be believed. Mm. Um, and yeah, they, they've obviously got some nous about them as well. I mean, the amount of background work that they put in to the preparation mm. and you know knowledge of other players and clubs. Um, I think is very impressive, and their detail, the, the detail that they go into with individuals. We've heard about them clipping pieces of training, and uh, and they're clearly not afraid if someone is doing well to move them forward. You know, look at Kean Herrett. Yeah. Um, so you know, you've. I, I think that's that is encouraging that you know there is a pathway there for young players, and if Town, who've got this policy now of recruiting at the lower end of age groups. To develop and, and maybe get the best out of lads and really pick up some gems, they might have got one in Kean Harrow. Yeah, um, I think that that is something which suits Danny Cowley's philosophy right down to the ground, um, and I think that the the players down there should realise that if they're going to put it in and really produce the goods and prove that they're fit and they're strong and they're buying into the mentality of it all, that they will get a chance. Mm. What what have you made of Phil Hodgkinson? He's, what is he now? Four months in charge, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, was obviously I think he's made a great choice with the management team, yeah, and I think that he did, earned him so much credit. Didn't in, it? Indeed, and I think he, he, you know, it could easily have been, oh, the Cowleys have turned us down, so we'll turn to you know Plan B, who is X, Y, and Z, and not yeah. really very um, sort of uh, awe inspiring. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. Yeah, or inspiring, or just just sort of makes you think that you've got the right guy. You know, yeah. I think people were quite happy with the Cowleys. Some people thought, "Oh, why are we going to the lower divisions to get somebody?" But these guys have been on the up, yes, and they clearly are on the up. Uh, and I think that Phil has done really well after the terrible, terrible period that we've had mm. and the relegation from the Premier League to get in a couple of guys who in a very short space of time have engendered some belief mm-hmm. and and got the fans back engaged again. Uh, and it may not be an easy road because it's a tough division. Yeah. It's not a great division, but it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think for town to compete um, and, and establish themselves again in the championship uh, would be a good thing for this season to move away. Um, as I think I saw someone say, the dreaded dotted line. Yeah. Um, and and so that they can really have a look at another transfer window after the January one. Yeah. Put a few more bricks in place, and maybe the following two really build a team that can 
can, can, that can go places. I think we're both a lot more confident now than we were a few weeks ago that, that they'll do just that as well, aren't we? Yeah, you had to be because the squad looked completely devoid of belief, didn't yeah. it? it? You know, it, all semblance of, of confidence had gone yeah. from the squad. And, and that shows and people can feel it. Mm. Uh, and it, it, it spreads to the fans and the fans don't feel confident and then everyone's on a downer. And it, and it's, it, it's a, it is a collective thing. And they've they've actually clearly got smiles back on players' faces, and that's showing mm. on the pitch. Um, you know, we're not the finished article by a million miles, but when you're on that slippery slope, it's an awful, awful situation to be in, and it's very difficult to turn around. Yeah. But they seem to have stopped the rot, and in fact, got us actually scrambling back up a little bit, which is great to see. Um, and, and I think there is a real collective effort in doing that, and that will serve as a platform, hopefully, for better things ahead. Yeah, and uh, some people may know Huddersfield Town, probably your second love now behind Skulls Cricket Club. <laughs> 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 How are things at Skulls? <coughs> I think that's always been the case. Uh, <laughs> I would never say Huddersfield Town have been my first love when it comes to Skulls Cricket Club now. No, 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 oh, no. We're, we're we're absolutely fine at schools. Yeah, we're uh, yeah we we've had some some good seasons. We've uh, you know in in a very competitive Drake's League top division. We've uh, you know we've won the title a few times and we've won the cup and um, yeah and we we were not that long ago um, Yorkshire champions. So <laughs> for a small village like us, that's uh, a remarkable achievement. So yeah, uh, long may it continue and. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. cricket is uh, in my blood, I'm afraid. Brilliant. Right, well, we'd better get back to work, hadn't we? Because uh, we've been sitting there talking for nearly an hour now, and those articles aren't going to write themselves. Cheers, Mel, for uh, taking the time to talk to us. I'm sure everyone's found that really interesting. You're on Twitter, but you never use it, so there's no point giving out your handle, is there? <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> I'll leave it to you. They can communicate <laughs> through you, Steve. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm at Stephen Chicken, Steam with a V, and if you enjoy listening to the podcast then make sure you subscribe. We'll be back next week with uh, the regular programme looking at the, the Birmingham game and the Swansea game. But until then, we'll see you next time.